Okay, uh, so we're here now with Mike Snelling, uh, the North Norfolk Surf Life Saving Club president, um, an absolute legend, and you'll um, all hear why this man is a legend um, in this episode of the podcast. Mike, hello, how are you? Morning, George. Doing good. Very happy. Slightly nervous to be on on this. I know this is a high standard podcast, so I hope to uh, to live up to it. Mike, you absolutely will. High standard. I like it. Um, so this conversation with Mike um, is going to be very much a club environment um, uh, conversation um, about development um, of what North Norfolk, how they've developed that East Coast um, uh, so, so Mike, let's just go straight into it. Um, North Norfolk, uh, Norfolk, I suppose, um, is an area where surf life saving is growing, blossoming, in fact. Um, and North Norfolk has been around since 2008. Um, in 2012, you managed to open your clubhouse, which uh, we'll talk a bit about um, in a minute. Um, so just tell us a bit about life in, in North Norfolk Surf Life Saving Club to start off with. Sure. So um, it was founded in 2008 by uh, Stu Thompson, who was working for the RLI at the time. So I think that's a name that a lot of people will be familiar with um, and started as an idea and a logo flag on the beach and some equipment in a container behind a swimming pool in a village far away. But we're up in Cromer, just up in North Norfolk. Uh, for most people, um, to put that into relative reference, when we come down to nationals, it's a nearly 900 mile round trip. Um, it feels like you, you could be driving to the moon and back to get to us. But <laughs> we we're out on the east, uh, just on the east coast, just uh, in the North Sea. And yeah, we started as a kind of really small, probably, probably lifeguard uh, only to start with, um, not intentionally, but just that's the, the interest was there. And then luckily over the course of um, three or four years, got to a position where uh, Stu and Ben and a couple of others were able to convert or get permission and then grant and funding to convert an old Victorian uh, set of Victorian loos, basically toilet block uh, into a clubhouse and then next door a surf school. And so we've been lucky to have a base that made a huge difference. Um, and then since that, the club has grown uh, we, we've been very thoughtful, we'll come on to that later in terms of what we're trying to achieve, um, but it's grown nicely, equally between kind of youth and nippers and opens, but also recently the adult community as well. So it's been really nicely balanced. We've been very, I think, thoughtful about how we keep that balance. So, um, but yeah, we're out here. We've got 91 miles of beach in Norfolk, so we're not shy of that. There's rocks everywhere, so that's slightly different from some some other places around the UK. And it's just been an, an exciting few years. Um, so I'd love to talk more about any questions that you have. Yeah, nice. And, and we've seen more recently that um, a few clubs have developed in, in Norfolk. Um, Waveney, um, I think in 2017, and, and Munsley in 2018. Sure. Um, but Munsley, they sort of had a little bit of research on, on the Munsley Club. And, and in 2008, the North Norfolk Surf by Saving Club Mundo Sessions was launched as a pilot scheme to establish the need and community support for a surf lifesaving club in Munsley. So it sounds like you guys in the club were very much involved with sort of assisting its staff. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, so we, I mean, we had families from Munsley uh, at club 
um, and Munsey is a lovely village seven miles away uh, with its own wonderful stretch of beach um, and so more and more interest was being generated into our club um, and as you're trying to grow structures and systems and ratios in place we were starting to get kind of overwhelmed with the junior waiting list um, which is a key indicator of is is there enough community interest and support to establish another club and so we called it the Mundo Sessions, which was a summer, um, uh, not investigation, that's wrong, a summer project to see is there appetite in the local community that would support setting up another club? And the answer was yes, yes, yes. Um, and so we're wonderful to have a club just around the corner, which I think, and, and we were talking before this, I think one of the things that that is helping grow the surf lifesaving community in the east is more and more opportunity to have other clubs to compete with, other clubs to join forces with, other clubs to share ideas with. And I kind of include, you know, let's take that all, all the way through to Blythe and Aberdeen and Lossie, you know, that's the east. And so it's about, like, I think, growing that sense of community and that sense of interest on this side of the country. Yes, yeah, definitely. And there is, um, you know, a lot of a lot, there's a lot of beaches around that need development and what you guys have done there is just incredible to 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 offer support and and to, to sort of form more life-saving clubs um yeah uh, now now north norfolk um you know the, you have so many great stories from from north norfolk and, and different ways you guys run the club which i find just incredible um uh, a large a large sort of topic um, is the membership now yes um, on your website it's stated that um, it's sort of 10 pound membership towards the club um, and then they go on and, and become members of SNSGB separately yes um so 10 pound membership you've got a clubhouse yes how 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 are you sort of affording this so the I want the kind of clear parameter to answer that question is um we wanted to solve a challenge that's local to here and the challenge the, the challenge question was how do we create an inclusive club um, and within inclusive i think comes the word affordable so and where we are up on the east coast um what we didn't want to do is exclude people because of a price point they can't afford it so the decision that we made really early on is we'll charge incredibly low membership and we'll raise money in different ways um, now that's our strategy and it's working to this date and will it work forever I don't know but it's worked for the last 15 years and we're still here um, so yeah we whatever the SLSGB fee is and I know that's going up next year and I still think it is incredibly priced we just add 10 pounds which is like an annual administration fee and then you're a member of the club and then outside of winter pool swimming to pay for the pool we don't charge for any sessions so we have low membership fee and you don't pay to train so and so that means the secondary challenge is we have to fund it in different ways um, it is worked up to this point but i think it creates a different community response to when they view the club and the volunteers and what people are trying to do and the fact that we don't charge high memberships and things like this and that's our choice here locally it i think it creates a different uh, challenge and opportunity for the community that we have in the club yes yeah yeah absolutely um and so what sort of things uh, so so you ask them to go off and fundraise yes uh in different ways what sort yeah, of ways so, do they do they do that so the um so so anyone anyone who joins and i think this this goes i i'd say 
any adult who joins, but I think this goes into all the communities, but I certainly say this to the adult community is if you join us, there's no fees, but we'd love you to try and raise £100 a year. Now, that has a wide range of responses. Okay, <laughs> so that has all the way, no harm, no foul, no pounds, through to people setting them their own challenges, whether it's a physical challenge or a social challenge or something to do together, almost gets it gets slightly competitive to who can raise the most. Yeah. Um, so that that's our, our, our ask of our community and then the wider local community is to help us in that way. Be creative, think about how you can do this. We don't want to charge high fees. We want to provide a service. So we need your help to solve that problem. So and so to give you some examples, um, we, I mean, we have kind of two income streams. They're well known within uh, clubs, but I'll go through a few a few of the other ideas that we do as well. So the formal income is through courses. Um, so lifeguard courses, we're trying to do two or three of those a year. Um, in its time, we had the kind of hit the surf and the junior lifeguards, and I know they're morphing into more established things now. And then to increase confidence and also future membership, we run a, a Women in Waves confidence program in the summer. That's oversubscribed. And we just started a Men in Waves as well. And that's increasing our adult membership. That's increasing people's local confidence to even just approach a club. I think sometimes our clubs are slightly unapproachable because people don't think that they can step into that environment where they can. Then the kind of non-formal, let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, we're in our 10th year now of what we call the Felbrick Annual Trail Run. So it started as a club only thing. It was a, a sponsored run, 10 kilometres in a national park. So Felbrick Hall is a uh, national park, uh, part of the National Trust. Uh, a key component is it's not on the park run schedule. Okay. So and we're the we're the only community that can do a sponsored run on there a year. So it's quite attractive to the running community. Now, it started with just us as an internal club, but it's in, a, in our 10th year now. And we get up to about 400 people come and attend that. Wow. So we do we do it annually. They pay up to 14 pounds to come and do a 10K. Um, it's all the infrastructure is in place. And I've got to be honest, if we challenged ourselves a bit more, I think we could do it twice a year. I think we could probably get a bit more interest and get maybe 500 people to attend that. Maybe do that twice a year. That's a thousand people helping towards the, the funding of the club. So um, I'd encourage any, anyone uh, if they want to know more, just come and ask us about that. We're in our 10th year. We've learned a lot of lessons along the way. Um, we're very lucky next door to us. Uh, the founder, Stu Thompson, who founded the club, he uh, and, and his partner, Becky, um, own a small coffee shop called North Sea Coffee. And every year they're really kind to us and they do a silent auction. So local arts and crafts and local facilities give, pri give prizes uh, or pieces that go into a secret auction, a silent auction, which once a day on the run up to Christmas, we say what that is, and then anyone in the community can bid. Um, and it's really great things that people can win, but that normally raises somewhere between three and 5,000 pounds a year for us. So, wow. so there's two kind of big established things that have been going on for a few years. Um, other things, and this is just about saying to our clubbies, just help us and be creative. So other things that have happened over the time, we've had lots of, I mean, I never knew this word, but we've had lots of school mufty days. I think that was called non-school uniform when I went to school, <laughs> but it's called mufty days now. 
And some of those can raise in a high school, it can raise a thousand pounds towards club. And that's just younger clubbies saying, can this this time round it go towards the local life saving club? Okay. Um, people running marathons, that's quite normal. We had two two people, Tom Wright and Rob, they biked from Land's End to Lowestoft. So the furthest west to the furthest east, that raised two and a half thousand pounds. Had people swim to the Solent, uh, had people climb mountains, We've had hot, hot chocolates and tea and coffee for donation on Boxing Day dips. And so, and then some usual things is we have a very engaged award ceremony at the end of the year. The raffle normally raises a good amount as well. So, so I think the key for me is we're constantly surprised about what our club is prepared to do. If you just support and encourage them and create that that community, that that it's it's a club that is uh, successful because of the community not necessarily just hinged on a few individuals. Yeah. And I think clubs clubs go through that cycle where sometimes a club is in a cycle where it, everything just falls onto two or three people. We've been incredibly lucky. lucky. We've had uh, Nick Hutley as a wonderful chairman for the last six years. And one of the things that he's done with great purpose is grow our level one coaching, our level two coaching, our volunteer coaching, our beach support coaching. So these efforts fall on more shoulders, which I think is really useful. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible and some really lovely um, fundraising ideas. Um, <clears throat> so, and it's interesting, the, the school Mufti Day, where, where sort of members take it into their own hands and they go to the yes. school and say, guys, can we sort of um, raise money for the local self-life saving club? Yes, yeah, oh, so I, I think on a Mufti Day, everyone pays a pound or two pounds. And if your high school's got a thousand kids that are doing non-school uniform, and it's one of the kind of uh, 15, 16 year old club members that will propose that to their principal or headmaster saying next time round, can that go to the life saving club? Then then that's a real nice, successful way to do that. And yeah. uh, I think the kids quite enjoy non-school uniform day as far as I'm aware, so. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that, love that, it's really cool. Um, and we go on to the next one, a bit about sure. um, sort of a volunteer incentive scheme. Yes. So, um, you know, sounds like you have many members, you run lots of sessions in the week, you need lots of volunteer help. But is there any sort of sort of um, scheme or incentive for, for volunteers that you run? Yeah, so so I think there's three answers to this, you know, and I've not said this before, so it's, it's not Hollywood, so sorry if I get the, the words a bit mundled up. Yeah. Uh, no, number one is we try and find a lot of things outside of club for our communities to do whether it's just the social whether it's taking people out for some food whether it's a barbecue around someone's house um so so clubs quite you know this club's quite intense so and that that could be never ending so it's trying to find things outside of the club setting that also fosters community keeps volunteerism together so ollie is an example you know he he's a good indoor climber, outdoor climber, actually. And he he organises climbing mornings for our volunteer community in the local climbing club. You know, so it's, it's just a different discipline. So something different, I think, is is one one thing. Um, yeah. In in the volunteer setting, um, we pay for courses. Um, so if you're going to come and help us, we really appreciate that. So we'll pay for those courses. Um, if you want to help and compete, we'll pay the competition fees. So the club, the club will cough up for the competition fees for anyone who wants to kind of volunteer and compete. And that's growing. 
So Rebecca Cooper was our first ever person to go to Masters maybe six years ago. Now we took a team of 20. Um, so um, so that's a growing thing. But we just said we're happy to pay for qualifications. We're happy to pay for clothing. We're happy to pay for um, competition costs. And then other things which are pretty normal. We have a big annual awards that we put on. We have a huge club summer barbecue. Um, and then that's the kind of organised stuff. And then the nice thing is you hear about the uh, not organised by club. You know, this community of volunteers went out and did this. This community of clubbies and coaches went out and did this separate from club. So I think we've been, I hope, really thoughtful in the last few years to say the way we'll be successful is via the community rather than a hub and spoke where everyone, everyone in the club only knows kind of one or two constant people. Yeah. So you, you look across our club and it's just incredible to see all clubbies talking to each other, all volunteers can talk to anyone else in the club. It's not kind of hinged on one or two central people. Yeah. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Love that. Um, Mike, I'm too busy listening to you to actually um, think about my next question. It's OK. Because um, <laughs> it's so interesting. Um, so um, we, we'll, we'll take a bit of a, um, a different path now. And sure. we'll talk a bit about um, life-saving sport. Yes. <laughs> so life-saving sport, um, the Eastern regions, has um, developed more recently. Yes. Um, which, from an outsider, I suppose, looking in, looks fantastic. And you can see it growing um, every year. You know, um, it, it seems like it's growing every year. Uh, you've got obviously clubs in the Eastern region, which is Norfolk, North Norfolk, um, Mansley, and Waveney. Uh, I think you've had a couple of other clubs. Make yeah, Brighton. so we've had, we've had Brighton. Brighton brought, brought a good team up this year. Um, we've had Broadstairs before. I think Eastbourne have sent a couple of people before as well. So um, so is the question you want to know more about Easterns? Absolutely. I think, <laughs> it, I think it's important to, to, to showcase the, the wonderful competition. On your beach, was it? Or was uh, so, it at... Yeah, so it was in Lowestoft, which is uh, is Suffolk. That's the best uh, accessible beach to run a competition. Um, okay. So first things first, this wouldn't happen without the support from HQ. OK, so so the container or the, the trailer gets packed up. You know, the IRB comes over and you guys make the five day jungle trip across to us um that's what it feels like so we're so thankful for that but yeah so we've got so easton's was it was an idea by kind of sls legend uh, nick Ayres, who you know you've competed against nick for many many years you know he's probably been one of our best athletes here in the east but nick Ayres and joe thompson uh, and it started small um just locally at a beach called sea pauling and started to grow from there um so that that's the nice what we haven't had in the past is an ability to have some kind of competition focus outside of very small teams coming to nationals and going to masters and i think that's been a missing thing so eastern is a wonderful thing to focus clubs towards the end of the season we could, you know it's the business end it normally happens kind of between uh, masters and youth and nationals um that tends to be the gap uh, this year we had 170 competitors 
Um, so it's a busy beach, lots going on, um, all age groups. And I think for me, you know, my, my, my hope, I mean, it's an open invite. We call it the Eastern Region Championships, but any club can come. Um, so our hope is it grows and becomes bigger and we see more and more clubs. Um, it's nice to see all disciplines represented. Um, we've only just started uh, ski discipline as a club maybe two years ago. Waveney have been there before us. And so they're producing some good ski athletes there as well. But I think that the nice thing around Easterns is you get one point of comparison if you only compete against yourself as a club. Uh, and now we get this huge community. There's a nice bit of friendly rivalry. There's a good point of comparison to see where you're at. And what I think is coming, we're seeing early signs of this with people like Sam Every. Uh, I mean, Nick still, even though he's competing at the master's age now, Ed Hutley, Katie Coleman. Um, they're coming through, you know, and we're fairly confident they can start nipping at the heels at a national level, which is inspiring for for all of us, as you know, as well as them as individuals. It gives them an opportunity to to benchmark themselves against more than just their own club. So, yeah. Um, now, I've been listening to all your splash pods. You know, I'm sure there was a question a couple ago of do you think that nationals would ever be held in the East? Um, I would say probably not in in the near future, but you never know. But it, but it, you know we know what the journey's like, and we know what the infrastructure's like at the same time. So yeah, but you know uh, the lifesaving community love a road trip. They love a camping trip. You know um, yeah. that sort of time to sort of team bond and and so I'm sure and I hope uh, this will encourage teams to to head to head east and uh, and give it a go because it looks like a fantastic event and and we we you know we would love to see that grow more and more um and talking about uh you know a trip a road trip as a club you guys take the road trip as a club to new highs um as you organize a bit of a club trip to to costa rica yes. um, could you tell us a little bit more about about that trip you, you run <laughs> sure okay so there's there's kind of a, a 45 second backstory and then we'll get into to the, the front part of the story so the backstory is um in 2022, I was very fortunate to be in Costa Rica with my family. Uh, we've been there before. It's one of our favorite places to go, a place called Playa Hermosa, which is near a large beach called Hako Beach. Um, not through no no design. We just happened to be there in what they call Holy Week, but we call that Easter. And it, I didn't know this, but Hako Beach is closest to San Jose. It's a national holiday. Everyone from that city goes to this beach. Um, so 2022, um, I happen to have an opportunity to help volunteer with the lifeguards there. It's a six kilometer beach. They have uh, on, on its busiest time up to a quarter of a million people on the beach. Um, and there's very low resource, um, low education on drowning prevention. And in 2022, I just happened to be there when uh, and help volunteer, um, which was eye opening. But in the course of being there over uh, the Holy Week, there was a drowning a day. Um, so that's you can either spectate or think, well, some, we something can something be done about this. So we decided as a club, and it was wonderful to see the response of the club to try and raise some money for them to provide vital equipment. And so we managed to raise ten thousand pounds and give that across to them. So that's now being distributed uh, to upgrade equipment or even provide equipment. It's not even upgrade; it's provide equipment. Um, so Marchin, the lead volunteer over there, uh, is now organising that. But 
coming back to the club and saying, you know, here's here's a thing that we can either spectate or do something about. I asked the club if anyone wants to come out in 2023, thinking, I wonder what the response would be. And we took a team of six lifeguards out there for Holy Week. Um, we, which allowed us to do uh, roving patrols and organized patrols for that period of time um, and use some of the new equipment. Um, it also engaged the local community. So the, the local police force turned up with a jet ski, which hasn't happened before, which is a wonderful resource, a rescue ski. And um, we hope this is the start of something that will carry on year on year on year. I know it's just one beach in just one area, but quite proud to say this year there were no drownings over Holy Week, which I think was a first for them for a long period of time. So um, I would love the sport that we do, but it's sport with purpose. And so it's a nice balance. Yeah, that's so rad. So cool. So, so cool. Um, and, you know, for you to then take six others out with you, uh, is really really cool so, so that the aim is again to go next year yes with a similar size team or yeah i hope so i mean i, I don't think you know volunteering for things like that that ebbs and flows you know maybe six was a, a big year and it might be three next year or maybe it's 10 i don't know but but the the ask is there for you know and it's uh it's a it's almost like you get a year's lifeguarding experience in five days <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Oh, it's just incredible. Um, uh, Mike, you know, you, you've given us so much information here um, to, to take away. And, and I'm sure people probably want to get hold of you, um, especially sure. in regards to uh, fundraising and stuff. You know, this is quite a large part of um, of club environment. And, and yes. we need to fundraise to, to you know, to, to, to purchase vital equipment, whether it's lifesaving equipment or sports equipment or or anything. So how can people get hold of you? Is there, is there can people get hold of you easy enough? Yeah, sure. So it, um, email is probably the best way. I mean, first things first, like like our Facebook page. We like people liking our Facebook page. We have a club Facebook page. You just need to look it up. It's regularly updated. But Mike at nnslsc.org.uk. Um, is a way to get hold of me and I'm happy to help anyone with ideas for fundraising. The more we can do this, the bigger the clubs grow, the more the communities grow, the more we get an opportunity to uh, educate and prevent drowning. <laughs>